This morning I'll be reading from Matthew chapter 10, starting at verse 1. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts, no bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Truly, I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. Truly I tell you, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. The student is not above the teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for students to be like their teachers and servants like their masters. If the head of the house has been, has been called Beelzebul, how much more the members of his household. So do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed, or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Do not suppose that I have come to, 
to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Thanks, Darren. Good morning, everybody. Paul Cooper's my name, but everyone calls me Coops, so feel free to do that. I'm one of the pastors here at um, Trinity Church Modbury. Um, now, I'm going to be moving uh, reasonably quickly through some of those uh, verses. So if you do have a Bible or a device, be really good to keep that open. Um, you'll be able to have a look at some of those verses um, if I skip through a little bit quick. Well, let's pray as we begin. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that we can meet uh, this morning, that we can hear from your word. Father, we pray that... Um, yeah, we, you would help us to hear uh, your message for us this morning, uh, we'd hear what you have to tell us, that we'd understand it, and Father, that you would um, apply it to our hearts over this coming week. It's Father, in Jesus' name that we pray, Amen. Well, I, I thought this morning I'd start off by asking you a question, and the question is this, have you ever had to go and do something and you just had to do it with so much urgency that you just dropped everything and you just went and did it? You know, the sort of thing that just brings what's really important to you right into focus and you realize that all the other things that were sort of going on in your life, they really weren't that important and uh, they really didn't matter that much. And I, I reckon most people here probably have had that sort of experience. Um, as I was thinking through this, one experience for me really stood out. Bronnie and I lived in the US just quite a few years ago now. We lived in Atlanta down in the south and um, one morning at 2am we got a phone call and it was a phone call saying that my grandmother had just had a serious stroke. And I'd been pretty close to her growing up over the years. And they'd found her 24 hours after it had happened, lying in her house. And when you get a call like that at 2am in the morning and you're on the other side of the world, like you realise you're a long way from home. So, you know, it takes three planes to get from Atlanta across to Perth. It takes about 30 hours. But this was urgent. This had just become an absolute priority for me. I didn't know how much longer she was going to be alive for. And so I didn't do all the things that you'd normally do when you book an international flight. I booked the first flight. Didn't matter how much it cost. I don't remember if I said goodbye to the kids properly. And I'm pretty sure the first time I rang my boss to tell him I wasn't going to be at work for a while was from Australia. But he was pretty good about it. So there's all these other things that were going on in my life, all these other things at work, all these other things around me, and that didn't matter when I got that call. And I keep brought what was really important right into focus. So big things, really big things do that, don't they? They can create that sort of urgency. They can really get us to focus in. What's the priority? And we just heard in this reading from Darren that the biggest thing We've just heard about the biggest thing to confront the human race. We just heard that the kingdom of heaven has come near. Like this is God's plan, bursting into the world, forcing itself into human history, 
that this great change is coming with the biggest consequence that humankind's ever seen. So if that phone call for me could really rearrange my priorities, then how much more that news that the kingdom of heaven has come near? And obviously in this, uh, this account, Jesus sees it clearly, of course. And the passage shows what needs to be the priority. People need to hear about the kingdom urgently. That's the priority that we've just heard Jesus give to his disciples. It's this urgent priority to proclaim. To proclaim that the kingdom of heaven has come near. And if you remember last week at the end of chapter 9, Jesus has just said this to his disciples. He's just said, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So he's talking about people being brought into the kingdom of God. That's the harvest. But there aren't many workers to go about gathering them all in. So Jesus says, pray for more workers. And then he sends the disciples out to do that work. It's a really quick answer to prayer, isn't it? And I wonder, um, if you think of, you know, if you were a disciple back then, what would you be thinking? Because I think if it was me, I'd be thinking, okay, that's no, okay, all right, Jesus, that's fine. It's short notice, but I'll go grab a few things. I'm going to head to the market, stock up on some provisions. I'll say my goodbyes, and then I'll head out. But that's not what Jesus said. He said, go. Take nothing. Just what you're standing in. And that's not usual, is it? Uh, my family and I did a trip across the Nullarbor a few years ago and I have to say it would have been great just to go in what we were standing in because we had a roof rack full of gear and the back of the car was full of stuff. It was like a full body workout every time I set up and packed up. But you don't make a trip like that without preparing. And for the disciples even more so. It was really dangerous travelling back then. You know, they walked most places. It was slow and it was dangerous, you know, especially with no supplies. But this is so urgent. Forget the usual way of doing things. Get the message out across Israel. The kingdom of heaven has come near now. And he says in verse 23, time's short, that's why. There's this reference here to the Son of Man where Jesus is referring to himself. Um, it's a reference from the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, in that part of Daniel, in chapter 7, it describes the Son of Man going to be with God. Here it is here. And so what Jesus means is he says, you're not going to get through all the towns in Israel before he will be crucified, risen, and ascended to be with God the Father in heaven. You won't get through all the towns. So get going. Time is short. And it's only Israel at this point because God's plan was that his message would go first to the Jew, to Israel, and then to the Gentiles, out to everybody else. And so the disciples here, they're being sent out to continue Jesus' ministry, to gather in the harvest within Israel. Healing, driving out demons as they go, pointing everyone to the type of kingdom that was coming, and they have to move fast. Find the ones that will listen. That's verse 11. Verse 14, move on if they don't. And my young adult's Bible study this week told me that these days that's called throwing mad shade at someone. 
So if they don't listen, says Jesus, throw mad shade at them. Just turn your back and move on. But don't stop. Go to the next city. And presumably that'll happen again. But keep going. The priority is to get the message out about the kingdom of heaven. And trust God. Trust that he'll provide. And you should expect rough treatment. Because after all, Jesus was treated very roughly. But don't worry, says Jesus, about what to say when you're arrested. And I wonder at that point if you found that was odd. Because it struck me, I thought, you know, if I was traveling around and I'd been arrested and I was whipped, what would my main concern be? Yeah, I'd want to speak properly. I'd want to be able to present myself well to get myself out of the situation. But I reckon, for me, my biggest issue might be you know, worrying about what charges they might lay on me. Are they going to punish me physically anymore? Am I going to see my family again? But notice here, Jesus doesn't say not to worry about any of those things. He just says, don't worry about what to say. The Spirit will provide the words. And so if that's what Jesus thinks they should be worried about, then it's what he thinks is most important. God's priority is that people know that the kingdom of heaven is coming and that they hear those words and they turn back to God and they come in from the harvest field while they can because time is short. So it's this wonderful life-saving message, this message about Jesus and his kingdom. That's the priority. But it won't be easy. After all, in verse 34, Jesus says he didn't come to bring peace. And we know that's still true, don't we, today? You know, if you share the gospel with somebody that Jesus died so that we don't have to, he paid the price for our turning away from God, that through faith we're forgiven and we'll be raised physically again to life with God. If they believe that, but it gives this wonderful freedom to them, doesn't it? Material things, you're freed from that. It's not so important anymore. Power is not important anymore. Money isn't important anymore. You're freed from all of those things because the gospel undermines them. And so some people won't be too happy about that. They won't like what that means to their power or to their fortune or their influence. And worse than that, actually, the gospel also means that those who don't receive it will be condemned to eternal hell. And people won't like that. And it may well lead to persecution for the people who bring that message to them. And so it would be natural for the disciples to feel fear. Because it's not natural for us to put ourselves in danger, is it? You know, the US Secret Service that protect, they protect the US president and a whole bunch of important people... Um, they have to train them to run towards gunfire because it's not natural to do that. They have to train the natural instinct to flee. They have to train that out of them. It's not natural. A bunch of us from church uh, yesterday went crabbing and I learned yesterday that when you disturb a blue swimmer crab, they do this with their claws and some of us were fearful about getting nipped 
It's not life-saving being attacked by a blue swimmer crab, but it's natural to to feel fearful in the face of danger. But Jesus goes on to give the disciples a different perspective on their fear. He goes on to say that there's no reason to fear so long as they trust the Father. Because in verse 26, everything will eventually be revealed. Nothing will be kept secret. You'll be vindicated, he says. And he goes on to say, so speak up. Get the right perspective on what to fear, he says. People can kill the body, but God's judgment in hell is far more frightening. The Bible describes that as a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth, of total distress total eternal distress and and misery. A place actually where there's no goodness at all. So if you're going to fear something, Jesus says, get the order right and fear the creator God because his power extends so much further than just this physical world. God who has all this power values the disciples they're made in the image of God just as we are and they can speak in witness to God but sparrows can't do that and so here in verse well, going on from verse 29 if the sparrows matter then it follows that the disciples must matter much much more as do we And so if God, with all of that power over body and soul, if he values them, then actually there's no need to fear. And these are the words of Jesus that he spoke to his disciples a couple of thousand years ago. And so we might read this and think, you know, what's it got to do with us then here in 21st century Adelaide? Well, Jesus spoke to his disciples at a point in time in God's plan before Jesus would go to the cross and die. And so there are parts that are specific to the 12 disciples back then. But there's also parts that go beyond that, go beyond the 12 disciples and they're relevant to us. So after Jesus died on the cross and ascended to heaven to be uh, with the Father, we know from the book of Acts that God's salvation plan extended to the Gentiles. It wasn't just... Uh, an offer made to the Israelites to be saved. No, but it was to everybody else as well. So the mission that the 12 disciples were sent on to Israel is now extended across the entire world. It's not restricted to Israel. And the disciples were sent to say that the kingdom of heaven has come near. But with Jesus now died and risen again to life, we can say that the kingdom of heaven is here. And Jesus will return. That's the good news of the gospel. Trust in Jesus and be saved. And the priority to proclaim that message is still there. It's still just as great. And it is still God's priority. We might not need to hit the road with just the clothes on our back like the disciples did. But we can make sacrifices, live a simpler life, support those who are working in the harvest locally and overseas. And even for ourselves, the harvest is still plentiful all around us. 
in our own neighborhoods. Here's a photo of a field that's ready for harvest. And even if we're not working as missionaries, it really is like standing in a field like that. There's, there's heaps of people around us who he, need to hear the good news of the gospel. There's heaps. Before I went into full-time ministry and I was working in a secular job, I had lots more interaction with people that didn't uh, normally go to church. And as I was preparing this, I was thinking about my normal week now. And I thought, you know, I, I go to my son's cricket match. I go to Woolies and go shopping. I go and see a physio at the moment because I busted my calf. Even now, for me, there are heaps of opportunities to do God's work out in the harvest. And so I need to get on and do it. That's God's priority. And all of those people that I sort of run into in my weekly orbit, I run into them without even being that intentional about it. We, um, we used to live in Dernancourt and there was a butcher not far away. So Brian, my wife, used to go in and buy meat there instead of the supermarket. And it was good meat, but it was more expensive than Audi or Woolies. And so I said to Bron, like, why are we buying from the butcher? Like, wouldn't, why, shouldn't we go easy on the budget and just pop down to Audi? And I thought she would say, but the meat's so much better from this bloke or, you know, that um, it's more sustainable or they're grass-fed or something. But she said it was so she could build a relationship with the butcher. It didn't matter how long it was going to take. She was there, in there every week. And she would find an opportunity eventually to tell him about Jesus or invite him to church or ask him to the life series or just do something to get him to hear the gospel. It's very hard to argue with that. So we bought good meat for as long as we were in that house. I don't need to move from city to city with just the clothes on my back. But as a Christian bloke, I do need to get the gospel in front of other people. Because they need to hear it before they die and they face judgment. Because hell is real. And many of us here today through faith know that God values us and we know that we don't need to fear. And that's true. But I wonder actually whether we do need to fear. Not for ourselves but for those who don't know that the kingdom of heaven is here. And make sure they do hear about it. Make sure they do hear about that free offer of life that was given freely to us. And still I know that it's not easy to speak those words because Jesus said he didn't come to bring peace, which means there'll be division. And so I want to say here that I don't think Jesus expects us to you know, specifically go out of our way and look for conflict. He says to his disciples, be innocent as doves and as shrewd as snakes. Well, if you were just as innocent as a dove, you would be naive. If you were just as shrewd as a snake, uh, you might be cunning. But taken together, there's sort of a humble wisdom in that, isn't there? So we're not to walk into trouble just for the sake of seeking trouble. That's not wisdom. But while we're being wise, while we exercise wisdom... There'll still be rejection when we speak the truth of the gospel. And it, it's hard not to be fearful of that. I feel it. But there's examples. Um, I don't know if you remember uh, back in 2015, there was a, a really terrible attack, a gun, a gun attack of, in a school in Oregon in the United States. 
gunman walked into this, uh, it was a college actually, I think, walked into a college campus and he walked around and he asked the people that were lying on the ground there, are you a Christian? And if they said yes, he killed them. Ten people died that day. Now, I can't imagine what it would have been like lying there looking up at that guy as he asks them about their faith. But they must have known that he could only kill the body. And they must have trusted that Jesus would acknowledge them before our Father in heaven as they acknowledged him before that man. Now here in Australia, um, we're generally not beaten or killed for our beliefs. But we do feel a heavy expectation, I think, from society to keep our faith private. You know, it's sort of it's like it's okay for you just don't talk to me about it and no one wants to be rejected by family members or hauled up before HR at work or ridiculed by friends or mocked on social media or defriended how much of that should really worry us as Jesus says here in verse 32 whoever acknowledges me before others I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. I wonder if you could imagine that day. The day when each of us stand before God. Because we will. We will all face Him one day. And when we do, we will face Him alone. And in that moment, it won't matter how many friends we had. It won't matter how smooth our careers were. It won't matter how many followers we've got on Instagram. None of those things will matter. On that day, all that will matter is Jesus acknowledging us before our Father in heaven. So we don't need to fear. Only trust that God values us very, very much. He must He sent his son to die for us and he raised him again. And that is our witness to all of those who don't know that God values them very, very much too. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this reminder of the priority of your gospel message. The need for it to be heard across the world and even in our own backyard. So Father... We please pray that you would help us to feel the priority of your gospel, that we would, you would help us to not be fearful to support those in the mission field, but equally we would not be fearful to be on mission ourselves. Father, please give us the opportunity and the courage to speak, and we pray, Father, you would use us to bring many to know you. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.